And the the question the question was, you good? I didn't push back. Oh, okay, that's fine. So the question that right away that the, we felt they needed to be answered is, what is to be an ambassador? Um, we we just went straight to the dictionary. The dictionary says, uh, ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative. And that, like, as, as I read this, that was, a, that was a big trigger for me because Philippians 3.20 says our citizenship is in heaven now. As believers of, of, of God, as believers in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are citizenship, citizens of heaven. So now in this world, we're representing his kingdom. Okay, so when we say that we're ambassadors... For Christ, that's what we're representing on behalf of God's kingdom, each and every one of us. And the way we're accredited to it, and this is, we're going to go back to uh, last week's, we're accredited to it because of the Holy Spirit that is in us. That's what gives us credentials. Mm -hmm. It's not that we go to church. It's not because uh, the the Bible that we read or what we say we are. It's the Holy Spirit that is in us gives us th that credibility to speak on behalf of God's kingdom. And that's a really, really huge thing that, that we, we really need to hold on to it. So what are we representing as ambassadors of the kingdom? The thing that, that we're sharing and what we're going to talk about, and it kind of falls into the advent, is the hope, the love, the joy, and peace that comes with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The hope, the love, the joy, and peace. And we kind of cheated because we talked about hope last week. Um, right, so just going back, because I know we didn't start, and there was a piece that was missed. So the big picture is that the first, the first quality we saw from Acts 2.42 that defined the church was that they were devoted. That was the first verb that we pulled, right? And what were they devoted to? They were devoted to God. They were devoted to one another as the church. They were devoted to their own discipleship and transformation. And they were also devoted to bringing forth God's kingdom in the world, right? That's the fourth. So that's where we are right now is we, we talked about last week, we talked about celebration, started Advent, and we were understanding that what we're celebrating is the hope, right, that we have in Christ Jesus. So very often we celebrate and we think that we have to be happy when things are actually really awful, and that's not biblical. Biblically, we're supposed to mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep. But what we do celebrate is that in spite of the suffering that we're in and that's all around us, that we have hope in Christ that he will make, he will redeem all things mm -hmm. and that he, that nothing that we suffer is in vain, right? And the language of scripture, which is very often lost, especially in American culture where we don't have a king, right? We don't have a kingdom. We have a president. We vote. It's just a very different economic system. But scripture was written in a time where most of the world fell under an empire with a king so the language that's all throughout scripture that was very commonly understood and ingrained was kingdom language so the the imagery of christ as lord and savior where he's our king he's our lord he's our master uh, the language of building a, a priesthood of all believers, which is a nation and a kingdom. So all through scripture, God is building uh, this this metaphor. And if, if we don't understand that, then in our modern context, we lose when Christ sends us out into the world, 
what are we being called to do, right? What does that look like? Uh, are we supposed to serve orphans? Are we supposed to be missionaries? Are we supposed to, like, what does this look like? And the, the language, going back to 2 Corinthians 5.20, that was the verse that kind of jumped out at us, is the language of being ambassadors. And this, if, if we don't, that's not a familiar word that we hear and talk about very often. So it's important to kind of unpack that context of knowing when you're an ambassador, right? An ambassador lives in a foreign country, but their citizenship is in their home country. And when they're in that foreign country, they make decisions and speak and act on behalf, not of the country that they're in, but of the country that they really belong to. And that's that tension that we talked about last week of the now and the not yet, right? That now Christ is Lord and King and he's made peace with God. So the war is over, but we're in this foreign territory and we're supposed to represent kingdom interests. So we're not supposed to try to build a kingdom in this world and succeed and make a name for ourselves. That's not our goal. Our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is in heaven. So we're ambassadors, meaning that God leaves us here in order to represent him in the world. And as he said, we already talked about hope last week, and it just falls really well with Advent because the hope that we have in this new kingdom, the hope that we have in Christ's death and resurrection gives us the message that we are supposed to bring to the world. And that message is love, joy, and peace, which are the next three weeks of Advent. So today we want to specifically focus in on the first part of what is our mission. If we are meant to be ambassadors, right? If we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, he's our king. What are we supposed to do? What is the purpose in life? Like, why do we not immediately get raptured into heaven? Why are we here? What are we supposed to be doing? And and it's very clear. Jesus says, go and make disciples, right? And and we're supposed to preach the good news. And we, we say these things, but we don't understand that it's under the role of he leaves us behind as ambassadors of his kingdom. And the message that we're bringing is one of love, joy, and peace. So we want to talk today specifically about the first one, which is love. You just... Oh, okay. Oh, okay. We can do that. So if we want to, we can turn to John 3.16, right? Because when we think about, we, we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, the, the very standard verse, right, that we all memorize, people have it as bumper stickers, they wave it on signs at, at football games, right, is John 3.16. You can turn there, you can just recite it. Yeah, anyone wants to recite it you better say it right though I'm out because I've, I've seen so many times especially in the in the motorcycle ministries they're like you know John 316 everybody knows it so um and they say it wrong well are you saying it as a as a catholic and non-denominational because the oh, words wow. change a little bit <laughs> <Or> never mind <laughs> maybe we should just read it yeah alright go for it Christina for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Okay, but can you keep reading? Sure. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. End. 
So this verse is very often taken out of context, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes should not perish but have eternal life. But we don't, if we don't take it back, going back to last week, what are we celebrating? We were at war with God. What are we celebrating? We stood condemned mm -hmm. that, that we were slaves to sin and death, right? That there was no hope, that we, we stood before the Lord and there was no peace with God. And, and the message of John 3.16, if you take it out of context, if people are like, well, I'm a child of God, God loves everybody, then John 3.16 doesn't hit the same as if you come with the understanding that, no, you're actually at war with God, you're an enemy of God, and he will destroy you unless you align yourself with his appointed king, right? So we need to understand the war metaphor, the kingdom language, and we need to bring it into modern day because again, we, we don't, we can't, that was something that was so common and so everyday and, and is for many people around the world, but it's not for the North American Western context. Even when we're at war, war is happening usually somewhere way over there that you hear about in the news. We don't understand the implications of when war is in your country, there's no stability. You're, you know, you're constantly surrounded by fear and death. And, and we're getting a little glimpse of that with the pandemic, this, that feeling of, of unrest that's all the time, that life is uncertain and you don't. So I think it's a little bit more familiar because of this season that the world is experiencing right now, that tension of you don't know what's happening. Nobody is really sure. There's not clear communication. There's just kind of chaos and confusion, mm -hmm. right? All around us. And there's this constant discomfort and there's this longing, right? There's this longing for the way things were meant to be. There's this longing to be able to be with friends and family, this longing to hear kids laughing and playing in the park. There's this longing for peace, right? And, and that is the context of the world in which Jesus lived his life. There was Roman rule. There were soldiers that occupied the land. So people were living in this constant state of uncertainty and fear and unrest. So when you hear John 3, 16, but God so loved the world that instead of destroying you, he's giving you an opportunity to make peace. He already has finished it on the cross. He already has the victory. Jesus reigns as Lord and King. And that's why scripture says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's just, will you do it voluntarily or will you do it before the, the judgment throne, right? Will you do it under grace or will you do it under judgment? And, and so it, it has to go on to say, which is why it's, it's a disservice when we take John 3.16 and we pull it out of context. For God did not send this, his son to condemn the world, but to save the world. Because the next verse says, the world already stood condemned. They're already condemned. So we're not sending people to hell. They're on their way to hell. We're trying to pull them out, mm -hmm. right? We're trying to pull them out. So the biggest thing that we need to do as a core church, as a community, is that we need to make a shift. Because on the one hand, you know, we learned these disciplines and we talked about very often the message inside the church is that God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. And it's like as if everything is fine, right? Inside the church is where we need to have conversations about sin and holiness yeah. and righteous living and 
and transformation, right? Because you've made the commitment to Christ. And, and, but we like to quote John 3, 16 in the church and outside the church, there's this, people have this wall up because it's like, well, you're going to hell. Well, you're like, oh my God, they ordered a beer, you know? Mm -hmm. But if people are not under the same standard, we yes. can't expect them right. to be under our moral expectations. Correct. So we need to flip that. And the message in the church is one of accountability and judgment, not in a harsh way, but like the disciplines that we talked about so where there's the confession, you know, restoration. Accountability. Exactly. Guidance. You're having those honest conversations. Outside the church, the message is love right? The message is make this journey because right now your world, you're in pain. Like, because when we, when we make it like you're a child of God, God loves you. Everything is fine. You just need to understand that. No, life sucks. The world is chaos. There's suffering. There's war. There's disease. It's awful because we're already condemned. But when we send this other message, then you right? the number one question is, well, if God is so good, why would he allow suffering? Woo! Mm -hmm. And we've disconnected because we're, God is good when you're his child, but the world is not his children. Mm -hmm. You become adopted. You become a child when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. So we need to stop sending the external message through evangelism and other things um, where, where we separate, again, the truth and love. They have to be intention. The truth is your life is a mess and it's chaos and disaster and you're struggling with these things because you've been at war with God. But the love piece is there's grace. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus already did it. And if you can receive that, it's not like your life will be perfect and all of your pain and suffering will go away, but there's the hope, right? That we talked about last week of restoration. So with that, we created an acronym. <laughs> you guys, I love acronyms, right? Yeah. So, how do we then engage with unsaved family members and friends, right? Who are on our heart. How do we engage in the workplace? How do we engage? Because we understand that God has left us behind as ambassadors. He's like, the world stands condemned. The world is going to burn and be destroyed and it stands under judgment. The good news of the gospel is that I'm giving you some time to make things right so that when I come, you're spared, right? That's the big picture. So when we come into those conversations, the, the tool that we came up with, just like we had here for Bible study, um, when we engage in evangelism, right, which is such a loaded term, uh, we want to engage with love. And the four letters, we, we can get into it a little bit, but it, it, I hope it's just pretty straightforward. It's just a, a really good tool is that when we try to have conversations about our faith with people who don't know the Lord, that first of all, we're not trying to win an argument. Mm -hmm. There's the tension of the truth and love in church. We need more truth. We need more honesty. We need more love too. in the world. We need we need to bring truth, but we need to, the, the first and foremost thing, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. Correct. So we don't engage with truth first of the Bible is an errant and you are a sinner. You, your first point of engagement 
is love. You, you create a relationship, you take somebody out for coffee, you, you have a friend or family member and it's like, I love you and I care about you and I see that you're really struggling. And this is how I get, you know, or someone says, I don't know how you do it. You have so much going on. Like, how are you even holding your head up high right now? And that's a point where you can share about your faith. But the first of the, of the four letters is L, which is to listen. So when we're trying, when we see that we have a moment where we can share about our faith with someone who doesn't know the Lord, you start by not actually saying anything. You may be able to ask some questions, but the first and foremost thing that you need to do is listen. You get to know the person's story. You hear what they're struggling with. You hear where they're at. You allow them just to have, you just be a presence, just listen. Don't argue. They might hate God because maybe they were molested as a child. Whatever it is, just let them talk and just listen. You don't have to get your point across. And this is already where so many times evangelistic tools that I've heard and trainings that I've been in, that it's all about how you say it and what you say and do you use tracks or not. No, just sit down and shut up. Mm -hmm. Just listen and get to know the person. The second thing is openness. Being open not only to what they're sharing with you, even if it doesn't fit your experience of God or what you feel should be said or whatever, but also being open about your own story. Being open about your struggles. You don't have to act like you have it all together. Be real with people. And say, listen, I struggled with anxiety for a long time. Mm. But you know what got me through? Now someone is like, oh, interesting. Okay. I still struggle with anxiety. And be real about that. It's not like everything, you know, maybe God delivered you from it. Maybe it's still a struggle. Yeah. But you can share that. You don't have to be perfect just because you're a Christian. Thank you. Yeah, because, I'm sorry. Just, no, just, please, uh, please go. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, again, well, when we're talking about our, our Christian life is the now and not yet. So when we're open to the struggles that we're going through, it's honesty is that this is where I'm at and this is hard and I'm working through it with a, with a prayer and worship and all the disciplines that we talk about. But again, we know there's a hope in that. That's what carries us through those difficult situations. It's the hope. So that's why we can be honest and open with people about it. And that, that's 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 the great thing about this. Is that, no, yeah, I still struggle with this. It's still hard for me. I, I'm still mourning. I'm still, there, there's still going to be mourning. There's still going to be uh, pain. There's still going to be suffering. But when we have that hope ahead of time... Um, I shared this with you, just talking about the hope, and I'm sorry for no, no, hopefully, no, hopefully it fits in there. Uh, they made the scientists did this uh, research where they uh, where they put uh, a mouse in the in the water, and they let it struggle, 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 and after a certain amount of time, mm -hmm. as they saw the mouse just really. Slowing like down minutes, yeah. and, and ready to kind of drown. They took it out and they cleaned it out and fed it and everything else. And they 
after it rested, they put it back in. Uh, afterwards, the mouse was able to fight through for like three, four hours afterwards because they knew that there's a hope that they will survive. And that's kind of how we are. We, since we have this hope, it's a little bit easier to push through things when there's hope that there's there, there there's a, there's a savior at the end. This is not the end. This pain is not the end. This pain, there, there's more to come. So that's why it's so important for us to, to not only for ourselves to hold on to the hope, but also to share that with others. I think that's when, when we are open to this. This is the right. testimony that we have. This is that we're struggling too. Yeah, this is our yeah. be, us being ambassadors. That because this is how we're different in kingdom in the kingdom of God. The reason we're different in kingdom of God is because we we have this. We're still going through the same thing. We still have to wake up in the morning, go to work. We have to pay the bills. We sometimes can't pay the bills. Sometimes mm -hmm. we get people who are sick. We have all these things, but there's hope. There's mm -hmm. hope at that. And that separates us from anybody else. Mm -hmm. That separates us from anybody else. And that is very important. So in that being openness, openness to what they're saying and openness to what we're sharing gives us the opportunity to bring that hope. Mm -hmm. So that is a very important aspect of, of this uh, tool. Right. Did I, did I miss, did you share? So the, the mouse thing, they, they died after like the first 17 minutes. But the mouse who was given just like a, a minute or like 30 seconds break, because the, the other mice would just surrender because they had no hope and they would get exhausted and they would just sink into death. But the mouse who had the relief, yeah, like endured way, way, way scientifically longer than should have ever yeah. happened. Uh, and if you clarify that, I might have missed it. I'm sorry. No, I didn't. So I'm glad to remember uh, that. So it just, it, it shouldn't have been possible, but that little mm -hmm. glimpse of, so I might be saved, mm -hmm. um, gave the mouse. And, and we don't want, it's not that it's stringing us along and that God is getting some sort of weird thrill out of watching us be tormented. So I want to put that in context. <laughs> Good disclaimer. That's not what we're saying. <laughs> what we're saying is, is that the world is already bad. We're that, we're that lifeline of hope. We're already saved. So yes, we struggle. Yes, we may feel overwhelmed, but we have that lifeline of hope. We've seen the hope. We know the joy that we can find in Christ. And even though we also sometimes get pulled under, um, the, we know the promise that one day God will make it new, you know, and, and that's, that's really important. Yeah. Just, just to add to that as with me, as with motorcycle chaplaincy and we do bike blessings. A lot of times people come to us for this hope. If you pray for me and for my bike, I'm not going to get into an accident. Hmm. It's, it's that hope. It's this, which is way like it's this voodoo something, something thingy. And I, yeah. and I always tell them, I was like, listen, I'll pray that your bike doesn't break down, even though it's a Harley. <laughs> um, I'm going <laughs> to, that's why I don't get a Harley. I'm going to pray for you that you will be well and everything else. It's like, but the biggest thing that I can give you concern assurance is that whatever happens if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ you will have hope whatever is going to happen mm -hmm. you're still mm -hmm. going to have him at the end mm -hmm. so like people are like oh bike blessings you know like yeah let's pray for you everybody's good now go riding no it's the hope that whatever's going to happen with your bike whatever's going to happen when you ride Christ 
is in control of your life if you give him lordship over your life. Mm -hmm. that, that is a, an important aspect to it. So the third, the third letter, which is the V, is voice. And the reality is, is that we should, with, with listening and even openness, right? Listening is, is just being present and actually hearing what the person has to say. Openness, even still, you don't necessarily have to say anything. It's just being open to the fact that they may have had different experiences from you. And being open to the fact that you may not know everything you need to know theologically. And so it's not good to argue because mm -hmm. you may find at the end of the day, you convinced them and your theology was wrong. Mm -hmm. so, so the third point is voice. So finally, once you've navigated that, then you can start to share what the Holy Spirit puts on your heart to share. Uh, but, but being sure, the reason why I like to use the word voice, not only because it makes an acronym, mm -hmm. but because it's there, you know, throughout scripture, there's this model of, of being a prophetic voice that you don't just say what you think the person needs to hear. You don't say what you feel should be said, yeah. but you're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through you. Yeah. And that is really, really important. Important. So the voice that you're that you're finding is not even your own voice. No. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking through you. Uh, and also making sure that even then, even as you share your own voice, that the other person's voice is still heard. Because we, this isn't a strategy of like, oh, well, I'm going to get, I'm going to have more people like notches in my belt of people who get saved because I listened to them first. And then I, pre you know, presented the gospel and I walked them through Romans Road of Salvation. So, Yikes. you know, this isn't a strategy to manipulate people. Come on. So even as we share, you want to honor the person's voice that they may still have resistance. They may still have, they may never see God and the world the way that you do. And that's okay. We can still respect and honor people in that. Yeah. There is free will. And and the more that we argue with someone, we may do more harm than good because they become deeper entrenched. They dig in their heels. They may become more resistant, more angry with God. And sometimes it's better to just plant the seed and let it grow. And the last letter is engage. And the what we mean by engage is that you stay connected. You engage the person. We're not about standing on a corner on a soapbox with a microphone, handing out tracks and yelling fire and hell and brimstone at people. This is about staying engaged, that there are people, we believe that God has put you in your workplace, in your family, in your community, in your because the people that you are already connected to are people who need your testimony, who need, he has strategically placed you. And so you need to engage those people, not just in a one-time conversation, but in prayer, taking them out for coffee, following up with them and loving them, not only with words, but in action and in truth. So we, we plant the seed, but then you stay connected to the person. You keep the relationship. You don't just give them a card and send them to the local church, but you personally try to stay invested in that person's life and once God has made that connection and you realize that it was a divine appointment, you now are meant to journey with them because not only has God put you in their life to bless them, but there's something that that person God is going to use to teach you as well. So you're on a journey now. Once you have engaged, 
in, in sharing the gospel or sharing your testimony with someone from that point forward, uh, it, again, staying connected, staying engaged, and all of this through the framework of love, of loving God and loving people because God so loved them that we should too, yeah. just as he first loved us. Yeah, and the, this really awesome line, the, the tool that the church came up with, we, we, see it, we see it happening over and over in Jesus' teaching. Like if you guys, if you guys think about woman at the woman at the well, like how that interaction went through. He was just sitting there, in the good timing, yep. you know, and then by accident he was there and she was there by accident, you know. But he he was there and 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 she comes and he listens to her, and then he he's open to what she has to say because she's like, oh, you Jews, you're talking about where to worship where not to worship right and he's he's like okay i hear what you're saying right and then and then he gives the voice well mm -hmm. you know yeah. soon it will come to where you will be able to worship everywhere because the messiah is oh, so now he gives voice and then the last thing there's there's engagement he, do, he doesn't just leave he stays in that town he teaches in that town he does relations in that town you know and all of a sudden and because of her, because of engagement with her and because of engagement with the whole town, they, they say, first we, we heard of what you said, but now we believe ourselves. Mm -hmm. you know? So you, you see those steps happening through him over and over again. Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's, it's a really cool aspect of it. And I'm sure we can find other scriptures that yeah. kind of follow this thing as Jesus teaches. He, he listens to what people say, even, even for him to listen to the questions of the people. That he's like, I'll listen to you. I'm not going to totally attack you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to be open to what you have to say. You know, I feel like that's why he, when he would correct people, he would be like, all right, you're, you're talking out of what you have taught, were taught as a child or what you were taught through the to Talmud to the, and everything else. But here, here's, let me voice what I have to say to you. You know, so there's always, and there was always engagement. There was always a follow-up. There was always teaching and everything else. So that is an important aspect of, of love in them. My, my life verse is uh, Romans 1 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel because mm. it's the power of God for the salvation of all who believes first for the Jews and not for the Gentile. And that drove my life of, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to tell you how it is. Mm. And I had it wrong mm. because I was thinking, I have to tell you all the things that you're doing wrong. Mm. I didn't realize that I was supposed to share the gospel that brings life. Mm. And it has nothing to do with the disciplines. It all has to do with a relationship and reconciliation with God through Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. So that's what when Trish said that that's how we need to show them the gospel. That's how we need to present the gospel as ambassadors so they would have that reconciliation through Christ Jesus with God. Um, and then when we have church, now we can talk about discipline. Now we can talk about accountability. Now we can do all these things and build people up and engage people in that manner. That's when we do that because they're playing a different game. How am I going to call a foul on a football team with the basketball rules? Like, they're play, we're playing different yeah. teams. I cannot keep you accountable. There's no reason. That's good. Mm -hmm. I think it's really, really important as we have this conversation, you know, understanding that Advent is a time, the, the word Advent is that it's a preparation for, for the coming of Christ. Not only his birth, but also his second coming. And to understand that as we love and engage the world, 
we don't have to save the world. Christ already did that. Amen. It's great to feed the homeless. It's great to serve orphans. It's great. It's, you know, James says true religion is, right, looking after the widows and orphans and their distress. That's, that's wonderful. But as Christians, what we uniquely have to offer is to love people and share our testimony with the points of connection and those, those places where God has us today. Not that we have to travel halfway around the world to do it, but in our workplace, in our homes, with our families, in awkward, dysfunctional conversations, you know, and, and just wrapping up with the, the story of the woman at the, the Samaritan woman at the well, it says many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. It says, because she said, he told me I every, everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay, and he stayed for two days. Because of his words, many more became believers, and they said, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. We know that this man really is the Savior of the world. So our, our only responsibility is to be able to see the point of connection with someone and share our testimony. God, why do you have me having this meeting with this person? Why am I here in this moment? Why why is this person sharing this information with right. what out of my own testimony am I supposed to bring to the table to point them all you have to do is just Jesus says to come follow me, right? So we're just supposed to say follow me as I follow Christ, which is actually Paul says that, right? I don't remember the verse. But that's, that's the invitation is follow me as I follow Christ. And that's it. And we make it so, 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 so complicated. Mm -hmm. No, no, just, just, just make sure you carry that because you better be following Christ when you're saying follow me. <laughs> that's the accountability that we have. Right. That, which is very, very important. Right. If I say follow me as I follow Christ, I better be reflecting Christ. Yeah, it's not don't, follow don't, me to church. Don't, 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 and don't be like... Do what I say, not what I do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and so so that that's kind of where we want to. So again, we're going to, today was love. Uh, and we'll, we'll light the candles in a little bit. Uh, the Advent candles for us. But we talked about hope last week and a little bit today. We talked about love. And then we'll have joy and peace. Okay. Yeah.